You are listening to John DeYard's Life Spa, your premier source for health news in Ayurveda, where modern science meets ancient wisdom. Hi, everyone. My name is Dr. John DeYard, and welcome to today's podcast, where I'm going to talk about some of the ancient wisdom and modern science of Ayurvedic cleansing here at LifeSpa.com. So, something interesting uh, came across my desk uh, with regard to some of the research. And it's research that I, that I dug up many, many years ago, and I found a study that said that the number one cause of gallbladder disease is a low-fat or a no-fat diet. And um, that stuck with me for many, many years. And then recently, someone on uh, some uh, social media post asked me the question to sort of clarify that. And then I was like, yeah, this is really important to clarify. So I dug into the research and I started looking into why could, and is it possible that a low fat diet could actually be the number one cause of heart disease? We should make the case that 1960, when uh, saturated fats were demonized and they gave us polyunsaturated vegetable oils that were highly processed that were found to in fact lower cholesterol were the promise of you know, lower heart disease in the future. Well, 60 years later, heart disease is higher than ever, still number one cause of death in America, and it didn't work. Uh, being on a low-fat diet didn't actually help lower heart disease at all. Um, but what did happen is the number one abdominal elective surgery in America is gallbladder removal surgery. So in the last 60 years, we've had a significant number of people losing their gallbladders, um, which may suggest that a low-fat diet may in fact be a uh, significant uh, risk factor um, for gallbladder disease. And why would that be? And let's talk about this for a minute and kind of unpack this because I think it's really important. Let's talk about what a gallbladder does first, okay? Well, the gallbladder is a sac of bile that is generally concentrated to 15, even up to 20 times concentrate. So it's a sack of stored bile that your liver makes, and it stores it in this sack to a concentrate of about 15 to 20 times. That said, you gotta ask the question, why do we need that much bile? We definitely don't need that much bile on a, on a, a post-1960 low-fat diet, um, because we don't eat any fat or very little fat because uh, fat's been demonized. Now, I'm not necessarily suggesting that we should be eating a ketogenic diet. Don't get me wrong, I'm not suggesting by any means we should be eating a 70-80% fat diet, which is what ketogenic diets are like. I'm just making the case that not eating any fat has been linked in many, many studies to cause some gallbladder concerns because that gallbladder, which is a sac of bile, stored bile, that's 15 to 20 times concentrated, has to contract to get rid of it, all that bile. And to contract, to get rid of that much bile, requires us to eat a significant amount of fat. The amount of fat that most of us don't eat anymore, even if you've thrown out the idea that a no-fat diet will sometime, somehow uh, it's not how bad, and you eat good fats, avocados, and good quality olive oil, and coconut oil, and ghee, as many of my listeners believe to, that it's the healthy thing to do. And 
and the fish oils and things like that. Because there's a lot of really good science that suggests that those things are actually really good for you. So let's go back to the gallbladder for a second. So if you don't eat a significant amount of fat, that gallbladder might not contract. It might not empty the gallbladder. The studies show that we need about 10 grams of fat per day to contract and empty the gallbladder, which is not a significant crazy number of fat, but it's not a low fat diet either. It's a good healthy amount of fat. That's what's required to get the gallbladder to contract and fully empty. But when you think of why we have a gallbladder, why we evolved to have it, one might suggest that when hunter-gatherers slowly became better hunters and used groups of humans to kill larger animals, which went extinct in short order wherever they went, elephants, mammoths, uh, sloths, which were seven tons in, in weight and 20 feet tall, when Americans, the first Americans came to America within just a thousand years, all of these large mammals, vast, half of the large mammals that existed in America, camels, horses, they were gone. Horses actually are indigenous to America. And then they somehow migrated back to Europe and they survived there, but they didn't survive here because we killed them off. So when you kill a big army like buffalo and all that, the natives were smart. They ate everything. And the stuff that would go bad really fast was the fats, the, 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 the intestines and, and the brains and the livers and the organs and all that would go bad really fast. So they ate that first. Right then and there, boom, they had to eat it all. So it was a big time fat explosion. And that forced the gallbladder to contract. Now, we did that for you know, many, many thousands of years, not only in America, but at least for 75,000 years, we've been committing we are, we are pretty darn good hunters. Is that the reason why we have such a big gallbladder that can hold such concentrated bile at that point? Is that why we're here today? I haven't seen any studies to prove that, but logically it makes me that make, I sort of think, hmm, that's probably makes some pretty good sense why we did that. Because originally when we were th two or three million years ago, um, we were mostly gatherers. We didn't get the hunting thing going until much, much later. Uh, much later, 100,000 years ago-ish. Um, so, so we were gatherers and therefore didn't need that much fat because when you're gathering, where do you get enough fat to contract a gallbladder that's got 15 to 20 times concentrate in it, right? So it's possible that's the reason. Point being is we don't eat that diet anymore. The gallbladder doesn't contract and it stays congested and, it can, and what stays in the gallbladder can harden, can become a medical term called bile sludge. That bile sludge can become problematic, cause stones, and um, then the gallbladder starts to not function because everything in it is so thick, the gallbladder can't contract anymore. They do a HIDA scan, they find out it's not contracting, and you have you know, real problems like they have to remove your gallbladder. And this is sort of interesting because the gallbladder is the kingpin of digestive strength, detox strength, assimilation strength of your body. Without good bile flow, we are in big trouble from a digestive perspective, from an assimilation perspective, from a detox perspective, bad things happen because bile has a handful of, of benefits that I want to talk about. Number one, bile is a buffer for the acid in your stomach. 
So if you don't have a really good bile flow, your stomach's gonna be reluctant to number one, make the acid that it's gonna to need to digest harder to digest proteins like things, proteins in dairy and proteins in grains, anti-nutrients, wheat, all those, you know, kind of demonized foods. Stomach will say, hey, I can't make the acid I need to cook this food properly because they don't have any kind of bile down there because the liver's been either congested because we didn't need enough fat in the diet or the modern cause, which happened in 1960, is the introduction of polyunsaturated fatty acid or bleach boiled deodorized to such an extent that they killed everything alive in it. So when we put it in a loaf of bread, the loaf of bread stays squishy on the shelf for a month. No bug on the planet would ever eat it, which is why the bread never goes bad. When you eat it and you put it inside of your body, the bugs inside of you won't eat it either. So where do all those bad oils go? Like all the trash goes? into the liver, into the gallbladder. If you ever stuck your hand in a, gall in a liver, it's, it, we did that in dissection when I was in school. It's an extremely greasy place. And that's where all the grease goes. And if it's indigestible grease and your bugs won't break it down, and, you know, have you ever seen the, the, the microbe uh, soaps that they use now to break grease up? Well, that's sort of what's supposed to happen inside of us. But if you have grease that just won't be broken down by the bugs inside of you. It goes to your liver and gallbladder. It congests it even more so. And now you have issues with, you know, severe gallbladder concerns. Number one abdominal surgery in America today, gallbladder surgery. That's a question that we should be asking. Why is that? And the gallbladder also makes, is, is holding on to bile made by the liver. And it's a Pac-Man that cleans and gobbles up in toxins and fats and junk. And, and cleans your intestinal villi and scrubs it so you don't get leaky gut syndrome. It regulates the consistency and regularity of your stool. No bile, no poop. No bile, no stomach acid. Or the stomach acid stays in your stomach too long. Something Ayurveda called Udvarta, or upward moving digestion. And number one cause of heartburn, indigestion, gas and bloating, burping, belching. This is all because the, the, when you ate the food, your stomach said, oh, I'm gonna need some bile to emulsify the fat in the ham sandwich, in the ham. I'm gonna need some bile to neutralize the acid. I'm gonna need to break down the wheat and the bread. If the liver's congested because of either years of constipation or years of, of uh, a low fat or a highly toxic fat diet, the gallbladder can't produce that, deliver that bile, so the stomach stays holds on to the food and the acid longer than it should. That's called gastroparesis in Western medicine. Ayurveda calls it upward moving digestion. And there comes all the signs that we have linked to occasional heartburn, reflux. It pushes up on the diaphragm, affects how your diaphragm can contract and breathe air into the lower lobes of your lungs where all the parasympathetic rest and digest receptors live. So if your stomach is now stuck to or pushed up against the diaphragm and the diaphragm really can't contract, you become a lousy breather. And this is super common because of the diet we've been eating for 60 years. And because you became a lousy breather, you start breathing only into the upper chest, which is where the <gasps> emergency fight or flight receptors predominate. The lower lobes of your lungs, which are predominated by parasympathetic rest and digestion, rebuild and rejuvenate receptors are not being accessed anymore. 
and you start, it starts to affect how you breathe and definitely how you breathe while you sleep. And people snore and have sleep apnea issues that really didn't exist in early humans because we didn't have these relationships due to toxic processed food or a diet of extremely low or no fat that was promised to cure heart disease, did nothing of the sort, and left us with a gallbladder that can't can be contracted any longer and is pulled out in numbers, record, record breaking numbers, right? So it's sort of like a problem, which is why I write a lot of articles about this and which is what I'm so fascinated by is like the whole Ayurvedic cleansing thing was so interesting because they were really about using ghee or clarified butter to force a cleansing reaction. And I wanna talk about that because there's some really interesting science that I think is important to understand if you can stay with me a little bit longer. Um, Dr. Walter Longa wrote a book called The Longevity Diet and he wrote a, a, a fasting protocol called The Fasting Mimicking Diet, which has become very famous because his diet has been proven to actually produce stem cell activation and autophagy, which is the repair of broken parts, damaged cells, and trying to reboot and rebuild them and make them more useful again, get rid of the bad, reuse the good kind of a thing, all of which is Nobel Prize winning science. And the idea of fasting and intermittent fasting and time-restricted eating is all designed to help people get to this thing called autophagy to get the, these Nobel Prize winning benefits of fasting. Well, according to the research, it shows that when you fast for long periods of time, you don't contract the gallbladder. And Dr. Longo's research said, if I put people on a fasting diet and just to get the autophagy, I could, give, I could increase the risk of gallbladder concerns for them, which I thought was fascinating because that's the hard science. That if you don't contract the gallbladder with a low fat diet, you know, compared to the hunter-gatherers who were eating the brains and guts of a woolly mammoth in one sitting where we're fully contracting the gallbladder. They didn't eat that every day. They had this massive contraction and then a couple of weeks of grazing or whatever, gathering, and then the bile would build back up and then they would surge it out again to help metabolize all that fat, right? So something like that may have happened that could explain why we have a gallbladder that is now so commonly problematic because we don't eat that kind of fat and the fats that we do eat, the bugs won't touch. And they end up in the gallbladder and the liver and they create real congestive problems. And when the liver gets, when the gallbladder gets congested, the bile ducts become thick and viscous, everything backs up into the liver and that causes fatty liver concerns, which is again, a big, huge, major concern, almost epidemic. Uh, the bile ducts connect with the pancreatic ducts before they deliver the bile into the small intestine and 91% of the people. So when those two tubes come in together, if the bile ducts are thick and viscous with congested bile sludge, and the bile can't get into the intestinal tract to clean and scrub and break down the good and the bad fats, the pancreatic enzymes can't get through either and that causes you to have issues with your ability to deliver your pancreatic digestive enzymes. So everybody just says, you get old, you can't make the enzymes anymore, so you need to take digestive enzymes. 
you get old, you don't make hydrochloric acid in your stomach anymore, so you need to take hydrochloric acid. So therefore, that's the rule. Not the rule. There's no evidence to suggest that aging does anything of the sort. The evidence suggests that when you eat a bunch of garbagey, highly processed foods that extend shelf life, not your life, they'll congest the liver and the gallbladder. They will cause an inability for the bile duct and the pancreatic ducts to deliver enzymes in bile that both help you digest the fats, the proteins, and the carbohydrates, but also both act as neutralizers or buffers for the acid in your stomach. And if they can't get there and there's no buffers for that acid, your stomach will number one, hold on to the acid, or number two, stop producing the acid. Neither one of those are good. One causes heartburn, one causes an opportunistic invasion of all kinds of opportunistic bacteria like H. pylori to irritate your stomach for, in many other ways, set you up for things like the very happy, not happy, common, uh, prevalent SIBO, small intestine bowel overgrowth, which is a very chronic problem that people have again because we lost our protection. We lost our protective barriers, the coordinated effort of your stomach producing acid, your liver producing bile, your gallbladder pumping it out, and your pancreas delivering those pancreatic enzymes, that triad, and the duodenal enzymes as well, all of that has to be coordinated. And if it isn't, bad things happen, right? So we can blame all this on, yeah, we can blame it on, in 1960, when they said saturated fats were bad. But my point is, is that in Ayurvedic medicine, they weren't big fans of long-standing fasting. You know, if you look at uh, Hinduism and in Hindu times, they fast a day here, a day here, for spiritual reasons like they do around the world. Fasting has always been sort of more of a spiritual uh, venture. Uh, but in India, in, in Ayurvedic medicine, it was sort of interesting. Fasting was very specific, only for kapha body types in the kapha season, under medical supervision, very, very specific, right? It wasn't like everybody should do two-week fasts. Like in America today, there's best-selling books on fasting, fasting, fasting. But my, the first health book I ever read was Paul Bragg's Miracle of Fasting. I did massive fasting in my early, late teens, early 20s. But now we have science to say that when you fast, you don't contract the gallbladder, and the same thing that can cause that causes gallbladder disease, like a low-fat or a no-fat diet, fasting can also cause gallbladder disease, just like a low-fat or a no-fat diet as well, and that is sort of interesting. And I was like, wow, the Ayurvedic cleanses always use ghee or clarified butter to force the gallbladder to contract, to empty that gallbladder. So the bile was in there doing all the work of the intestinal cleaning and the villi of your intestinal tract and supporting intestinal health and a protective barrier of your intestinal skin to protect you from things like leaky gut syndrome, right? I thought that was sort of pretty phenomenal. When Dr. Walter Longo at UCA, USC, he's a longevity researcher, did the research on uh, his fasting mimicking diet, he did a very a calorie restricted diet of about 800 calories split up between fats and carbohydrates or starches. It wasn't absolutely no starch and it wasn't absolutely no fat and it wasn't absolutely no food. It was about 800 calories. And when I read that, I was like, wow, 
that's exactly pretty darn close to the Ayurvedic cleansing diets. And we have three of them, the Colorado Cleanse, which is our two-week digestive reset, reset Ayurvedic cleanse, our four-day short-home cleanse, which mimics uh, the, uh, the um, fasting mimicking diet very, very closely. It's just a four-day quick ghee kitchery cleanse. And we have a new cleanse called the Kayakalpa Cleanse, which is a five-day cleanse that exactly mimics the research for uh, stem cell activation and um, and the autophagy benefits, right? But I was just sort of, again, here we go. I write about ancient wisdom and modern science, and I'm always fascinated by what Ayurvedic medicine knew. And they knew that we couldn't just fast people because that could cause problems with the gallbladder not contracting, and gallbladder doesn't contract. You don't pump bile, you don't pump bile, you don't clean the intestinal villi, you don't make acid, you don't regulate stools, you don't detoxify, you don't get the good fats in, all kinds of bad things happen. So they didn't do in protocols for long-term extended fasting. They did talk about, um, they did talk about uh, intermittent fasting. Uh, a couple of old sayings in Ayurveda was one meal a day is for a yogi, two meals a day is for a, a bogi, which is a worker class person who needs two good solid meals a day to do the physical labor required. And three meals a day is for a rogi, which is a sick person mostly dead in a hospital, and they don't even have a name for four, five, and six meal a day people because you're mostly dead at three. So in my book, The Three Season Diet, I wrote back in the year 2000, we put an ebook out called, based on that, called the, uh, the Weight Balancing Ebook. We talk about time-restricted eating, intermittent fasting, as the Ayurvedic way to reset fat burning, and the plan was very simple. Number one, three meals a day. Number two, if you can do that well, shift gears to having a lighter supper, a soup or a salad. If you can do that well, shift gears to having an earlier supper, um, like before six o'clock in the evening. So now you're fasting from six o'clock all the way till seven o'clock in the morning, that's 13 hours. It's one of the classic time-restricted eating patterns. And then the final step was to have no supper three to seven nights per week, working your way up when it's comfortable to go for a full seven nights a week. If you have a nice big lunch and a nice big breakfast, nothing for dinner, you're fasting, you're locked into your circadian cycles. The studies show clearly that we should eat breakfast and lunch and a lighter dinner, even though a lot of intermittent fasters say, because it's socially easier to have no skip breakfast, have a lunch and a supper, and then just keep skipping breakfast. But if you really want to lock into the circadian reset of your rhythms, we would do it by turning the clocks on for digestion at the right time. You'd have a breakfast and a lunch and no dinner. That's the, the science-backed way of resetting your circadian clock and getting the benefits of intermittent fasting. But I get it. We want to sit down and eat with our family. And you know, skipping breakfast can sometimes be um, an easier way to make longer trips. So I think in the big scheme of things, we need to eat less food, and calorie restriction is the one way to do that by just skipping breakfast, and I've done that as well, and I think it's a fine way to do it, but if you're really gonna lock in to doing it the right way, skip supper and do that. So that was the, that we wrote about back in the year 2000. That's still, you know, sort of a 16 hours of no eating and eight hours of eating window, and that's a 16-8 and intermittent fasting type of eating style. That is classic Ayurveda. I mean, they even say one meal a day is for a yogi. 
one meal a day, two meals a day for a, a worker class person who's physically active, right? Three meals a day, you're, you're in sick. So these are new, but really ancient concepts, right? So, so, um, so when you talk about cleansing and detoxifying, what, in Ayurveda, what you're talking about is resetting function. How do you reset function is by making sure that the gallbladder is contracted. So these cleanses were designed thousands of years ago. So they must have had gallbladder issues or fat burning issues for a long, long time because they had starches at ancient times. And we do like starches because we are we got the thing for sugar, right? So we're going to want to eat more sugar and probably not be so super wonderful about, you know, eating a lot of ghee. A lot of people like ghee, but if people had a choice between ghee and, I don't know, some bread, uh, which I had in ancient times, people generally eat bread because sugar, humans and mice both prefer sugar over cocaine even. So, I mean, we have a thing, right, for sugar, right? So, so it may have been a thing that even in Ayurvedic times, people were getting liver congestion, not burning fat, maybe even gaining weight. It's hard to say what it was like way back when, but they did develop cleanses using ghee and kitchari to, to mimic what the science today at USC says is the, the best way to activate stem cells in your body, rejuvenative stem cells, and autophagy in your body, which is the repair of that. How all this got started, I think, is a fascinating story. Um, I read a book years ago about this monk who lived to be 185 years old. His name was Tapafaji, and he, every, when he got older, every 30 years ago, he went and did this thing called Kaya Kalpa. He had a calorie-restricted diet, sensory deprivation, ate very, very small, or small, a little bit of food, special herbs that now we have been seen, studied, and I've written about, can increase stem cell activation as well. And they would grow new hair and their teeth would fall and get new teeth and they would skin would fall and get new skin and right so no one really believes that any of that m massive transformation may be happened because we do exaggerate over time when stories are told again and again and again right but when i read that book i was like there's got to be some truth to this because it's pervasive in india the idea of kaya kalpa and this total body transformation and longevity is a is a branch for sina is a branch of Ayurvedic medicine. They were into that, studying longevity. So then Dr. Longa, um, he, when, when he was at US, UCLA many years ago, he monitored a group of scientists that went into a biosphere and went in for two years and grew their own food and went in calorie restriction for two years, came out super skinny, not super happy. And when they came out, their organs had shrunk down to a very, very small size. And when they started eating again, their organs grew back and the researchers looked at that and were like, hmm, the only way organs could go back to big size again is with a surge of stem cells. That's what makes us grow. So they started doing research on, on fruit flies and mice. And uh, this is all written in Dr. Longo's book, The Longevity Diet, um, and started doing research on that and found that if you do, and then humans eventually, and he found that you could in fact mimic autophagy the repair, rebuilding, and recycling of old parts, and stem cell activation by doing a very specific type of calorie restriction. And his specific type was about 800 calories mixed between fats and, 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 uh, 
and uh, starches. It wasn't a just fasting. Fasting will give you autophagy, but the risks involved cause gallbladder disease. And Ayurveda was like, we're not going to do that. Somehow they knew that. So they gave a diet that was a blend between starches through the thing with the food of called kitri that you ate during the day, which is a rice and bean sort of gruel, with the ghee, the clarified butter, in the morning to force your gallbladder to contract. And that is the holy grail of Ayurvedic cleansing that's been involved and in place for thousands of years, backed by really good science now that I've written about, that's been published, that shows that it pulls out heavy metals and pesticides out of your deep tissues, forces your gallbladder to contract, increases the stomach acid production, turns on your digestive fire, because when you make more bile, you make more acid. When you make more bile, you break down the bad fats, deliver the good fats. When you make more bile, you poop better because your bile regulates the consistency of your stool. And when you make more bile, you scrub your intestinal skin and you reset the protective barrier. And when you make more bile by eating ghee clarified butter, which is the number one most abundant source of butyric acid on the planet as a food. Butyric acid is the number one fatty acid that your gut bugs eat. They love it. Your colon cells are energized by butyric acid. And how did they know in India thousands of years ago to use butyric acid or ghee, boil off all the milk solids, get rid of all the dairy issues, leave you with just the oil of the, of, the, of the milk, no milk solids or dairy really in it any longer at all, just the ghee, which is the highest source of butyric acid, which is the number one fatty acid for gut health. Boom. How did they know that? That just is the kind of stuff that blows my mind. So the ghee and the ghee at certain dosages with the kitchery perfectly matches the fasting mimicking diet that's been proven to increase stem cell activation and the autophagy. I just think it's crazy how they knew that. And that's what our cleanses do. The, the Colorado cleanse that we offer is a two-week uh, Ayurvedic detox and digestive reset and limb cleanse. And you can just buy our Colorado Cleanse book and follow that along on your own. It's also got a seasonal recipe guide in there. Half the book's a seasonal cookbook, which is super awesome. Um, and twice a year we do that as a group. We, people come, we have 500 to 800 people from around the world do it together. And you get emails from me every morning. You get lectures from me, question and answers from me along the way during this kind of two week period that we all do it together. And so we're doing, I've been doing it for years. It's a phenomenal digestive reset, intestinal scrub, repair, turn your liver gallbladder, digestive pancreatic gallbladder, bioflow coordination thing on that I talked about. It resets all that. And the ghee has been shown to have what's called, it's crazy, right? But it's called lipophilic mediated detoxification. So you take a fat and you have another toxic fat and you put them together, they stick to each other because they like each other. And then that ghee hooks on, sort of chelates the bad fats out of your body and that's exactly what the science has showed. They talk about the ghee as a lipophilic, fat-liking fat, mediated detoxification process that's been shown to pull heavy metals and pesticides out of your deep tissues. Like, so how cool is that, right? While you're forcing your gallbladder to contract, making your body get, get rid of all the old sludge from the processed foods, and you can't avoid them. You know, we eat the best oils on the planet in my house, but you go to a restaurant, Indian restaurant, any restaurant, 
the oils are the cheapest they can buy. Most Italian restaurants dilute their olive oil. It's almost impossible to get really good clean oils and they cook all the soups and the stews and the salads and the sauces with some type of cheap, cheap, cheap oil, which is, you know, indigestible. Um, so every once in a while, good to clean out that sludge so you don't end up with that crazy notion that just because we're a little bit older, we can't make good digestive fire. That is simply not the truth. And then therefore you need to take digestive enzymes for the rest of your life. You want to read a controversial article, read my article called uh, The Hidden Dangers of Digestive Enzymes. I, I get a lot of flack because people swear that you have to have digestive enzymes when you're older. I'm 63, absolutely don't take any digestive enzymes, but, I, but I'm into making sure my digestive system is stronger by not letting function fall. And I think we can all do that. And not only just for preventative and longevity benefits, feeling good, because remember, fats, your liver makes bile to emulsify fats. To break them down into little small particles, they can be delivered as energy into every single cell of your body. Your liver is making bile to emulsify and deliver fat as fuel. It's your baseline energy. Your carbohydrates, that's a surge of energy, but your baseline energy is, is fat delivered via your lymphatic system, which is another topic I won't get into today. That is really important because it's the delivery of the fats, it's the, the, it's the escorting of the toxic waste out of your body, and it's the carrier of your immune system. So if that system gets clogged because of a bunch of bad fats and a bunch of undigested proteins clog up your lymphatic collecting ducts, you can't deliver the energy. So you're flat out exhausted. And all that fat bloats you, clogs up your lymph, makes, gives you lymphatic brain lymphatic or brain glymphatic brain fog, makes your skin associated lymph congestion, you get rashes, all these things that people blame on wheat and dairy and bad food is not bad food, unless it's a highly processed food. But if it's a whole food and it's in season, we're wired to eat it, have the capacity to eat it. And taking it out only gives you symptomatic relief, temporary relief really only, and set yourself up for more problems down the road because your ability to digest, hard to digest stuff, man, it does a couple of things. It's it's. It's so important for you to be able to digest hard to digest foods because those harder to digest foods are the irritants that created our gut immunity, which is 70 to 80% of our immune system. And when you take out all the hard to digest foods, take out the wheat, take out the dairy, take out the grains, take out the nuts, take out all the lectins, the phytic acids, the oxalates, the goitrogens, the, the, the nightshades, you take all that out of the diet and eat just a simple, perfectly easy to digest food, you completely take out the reason for having an immune system. That's why we have one, is because we ate all these hard to digest sort of poisonous foods for millions of years. And science shows now when people go on a gluten-free diet, they have four times more mercury in their blood than people who eat wheat. People who eat, who eat a gluten-free diet, I mean, it's just one example, have more, people who are gluten-free have more bad bugs, less good bugs, Less killer T-cells, a measure of immune strength in people who actually are eating these grains. Because they have your anti-nutrients on them. That we have the capacity to break down. If we understand how, as ancient Ayurvedic people did, 
that we can reset function by doing Ayurvedic cleanses that were written thousands of years ago using ghee and khichri as a way to repair and rebuild and reset bioflow and biofunction and not just fast and not eat anything, which is probably okay for a lot of people, but the studies show it increases risk of gallbladder disease. And they figured that out. And now we, we, we have cleanses that mimic the Colorado cleanse, our new Kayakalpa cleanse, uh, the short home cleanse, all of those. The Kayakalpa cleanse is a free ebook. You can download it for free. And in that cleanse, what's unique about it is we give you the whole retreat program, the Ayurvedic self-inquiry, the yoga, the breathing, the meditation. Because Kayakalpa, remember, that was like go into the retreat, sensory deprivation, you know, low food, special herbs that increase stem cells. That's all in the Kayakalpa cleanse. So it's not the work your way through the, the cleanse program. It's a retreat program. So it's special for, for that kind of person who has the time to do that. The short home cleanse, that gives you the, 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 the fasting mimicking stem cell autophagy benefits in four days, but it's just four days and you can work right through it. The chiral cleanse, there is self-inquiry involved. We do deal with the emotions, but you can also work through it. It's we're not asking you to fully retreat. And that's a two-week full-on digestive reset, uh, detox, rebuild, and lymph cleanse as well. So there's a lots of different options. We talk about that in all of our in all of our cleansing material. You can read about that. I think if you just go to lifespot.com slash cleanses or something like that, you'll get to see and read up on all of our cleanses. The, the, the Short Home Cleanse is a free ebook, it's 40 pages, tell you how to do it step by step on your own, totally free. The Kayakapa Cleanse, unbelievable information in there, all for free, called the Kayakapa Cleanse ebook, amazing. The Colorado Cleanse is too big for any book, it's about a 250 page book, and that book we, we just sell for a few dollars. And then you can also do the uh, Colorado Cleanse uh, with us twice a year, in our group cleanse, which we really sort of hold your hand and guide you th through the process and then and then go from there. So I think that the point of this whole thing is that that um, we tend to go into extreme pendulum shifts in our in our in our dietary world. We have ketogenic diet saying we should eat eighty percent of our diet as fat, which is a little bit extreme. The only culture that ever did that are the Inuits in the Arctic Circle. And they, they acquired, established, or expressed a gene to not let them be ketogenic for an extended period of time, suggesting that the people, the only people on the planet that ever ate a ketogenic-ish diet, which was a man-made diet created in 1924, epilepsy, um, the only group that actually did that naturally were the Inuits, and they have a gene to not let them do that. So you gotta think, hmm, how important, how good is it for us to be on a, 80% fat diet for an extended period of time. No doubt there's benefits short term, because and, and here's what I think about that. If you look at seasonal eating, and I'm a big fan of that, we have a, we have a free eat, monthly seasonal eating guide. You can sign up for free, get recipes, grocery lists, superfood lists for free every month. Why? Because at the summertime, end of summer, which it is now, you're gonna see that carbs and starches are harvested and we're gonna burn sugar. I mean, just no way of getting around. The fruits and the nuts and the grains and the seeds are all being harvested now. Amylase is increasing in our bodies as part of our circadian enzymatic surge to digest those seasonal foods because we're part of those rhythms for all these years. But come springtime, 
we're in a way starving. That's where the, the intermittent fasting idea came from. And by not eating natural calorie restriction, because there's no, think about it in the spring. Where are you going to get bread? Where are you going to get starch? Where are you going to get any carbohydrate uh, unless you, you stored it through the winter? But it's an austere time of the year, forcing us to go into fat burning. So I believe that we go into fat burning every spring, and that becomes our fuel, kind of burn our reserve, which is detoxifying. But come summer, we feed the system with the harvest. So we actually give the body a break. We go from fat burning to sugar burning, and we keep shifting seasonally the fuel supply. So we don't overwhelm any fuel delivery system. We now know that when you just eat sugar, 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 you create a bunch of bugs in your gut that are super good because they had years of doing it to deliver sugar. And when they deliver the sugar so well, it overwhelms our ability to handle that sugar. That is called prediabetes type 2 diabetes. That's exactly what happens. So when you look at nature, you really study it, which is what Ayurveda is in its simplest, most authentic form. Ayurveda is an in-depth study of nature. And that's what I love about it. Because when you really think about Ayurveda and really think about nature, it's not complicated. It's super easy. Now, Ayurveda was like tweaked a few things like creating ghee to give really to heal your gut and to flush your gallbladder because the ghee's fat and makes your gallbladder can contract and empties it for you. So you have all this bile flowing that your stomach says, oh, there's bile down there. I can make acid and you reset function and you do that as part of your cleanses. So I invite you to join us this fall for one of our cleanses, either the Colorado group cleanse, you can join us for that. Just do a quick short home four day cleanses, a quick reset, or if you have time to fully retreat, look at the Kaya Kalpa cleanse. At the very least, read these eBooks. They're fascinating. The science uh, of the ancient wisdom and the modern science, particularly with regard to the stem cell activation, the autophagy that, you know, that, um, uh, is now documenting, documenting these ancient Ayurvedic cleanses with modern science. So please check all those out at lifespa.com. I think if you go to lifespa.com slash cleanses, you'll read about them. But I've written a lot of articles you can type in. You can type in Kaya Kalpa, read the Kaya Kalpa, type in short home cleanse, type in Colorado cleanse, all that stuff will come up and you can read about it. But definitely, you know, I think it's a really smart idea to shovel out some of that sludge from all the restaurant food, basically, and do that on a regular basis so you don't end up having to take digestive enzymes for the rest of your life because they told you just because you're old, that happens. That is not true. You're not, it's not happening because you're old. It's happening because we ate bad food that broke down our digestive system. And it's not just digestion that broke down, it's detox and immune function. <laughs> that is, that, that is, that you don't wanna, find out later on, oh, you know, uh, I took wheat and dairy out of my diet. I was really great, but along the way, I, I wasn't able to break down any of the mercury from the coal mine plumes on all the organic vegetables, and the environmental plumes were overwhelming, and now they're in my brain, and I, and I have other issues that I did, or that, 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 that my digestion is fine because I eat the super clean, restricted diet. You see what I'm saying? We didn't evolve that way. We evolved to eat a lot of different foods. That's why we're here and the other species of humans aren't, because we had that capacity to really um, adapt in a major way to a, a very uh, dramatic and dynamic changing environment. All right, enough said. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Sondiak.